The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com. I'm so happy to be here. I think we're in our 10th or 11th year here on Voice America. And I'm also very, very happy to interview and to introduce you to an old friend of mine whom I haven't talked to in a while who's really a renowned expert in her field. Her name is Susan Peabody. And for any of you folks who have been very attached to love in an unhealthy way, meaning you've been addicted to love, which I'm sure a lot of us have at one time in our life, uh, or if you have friends or relatives that seem to get into these very complex love relationships that aren't helping them, This is the person to really talk to and to look at her material and read her information. She's dedicated her life to love addiction. Her name is Susan Peabody. She's the co-founder of Love Addicts Anonymous. She's the author of the book Addiction to Love, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships, and the author of The Art of Changing. She's been a relationship counselor for over 25 years. She was interviewed on the website of the Danish documentary, Love Addict, Stories of Dreams, Obsession, and Longing. And she has her workbook, Recovery Workbook for Love Addicts and Love Avoidance. And she has a brand new book called Where Love Abides. And the website is brightertomorrow.net. Welcome, Susan. Hi. It's good to be here. Good, good. All right. Well, we just gave you a wonderful introduction. Very well deserved. Thank you. My My question to you, Susan, is... How did you how did you get involved in love addiction? How did you you really created this subspecialty if you will? How did that come about? Well, in 1982, I had a nervous breakdown because of an unhealthy attachment to an unavailable man and I got into treatment, which at that time was a 12-step program, and uh I started researching the subject at the time uh, all they had was an identified patient. Somebody in the family had a problem like alcoholism or erotomania, which is a form of love addiction. And uh, about 1985, they discovered that the whole family had a problem, and so they had to let go of the original term for the love addict, which was co-alcoholic, and create the word codependent. And I, uh, my recovery went well. I started, I went back to school, I got some degrees, and I decided I wanted to work in this field. And it occurred to me that there was more than one type of love addict. And so I created a list of all the variations of love addict, which culminated in my new 
workbook, which introduces what I now call the ambivalent love addict, which is somebody who not only has addictive tendencies in some relationships, but in other relationships, they play the role of the avoidant. They run away from relationships. And so we've evolved from co-alcoholic all the way to ambivalent love addict with love addiction and codependency in between there. So the, the concept is evolving, how to treat it is evolving, and I've been fortunate to be a pioneer in the field, one of the first to use the word love addiction. I'm not the first to write about it, but before that, everyone was trying to to label everything codependency, and it was just a little bit more complicated than that. Susan, how how common is this? I mean, is everybody a love addict at one time in their life? I mean, all of our love songs are about love addiction, or is this really a real serious, you know, issue? Well, adolescent love, what they used to call puppy love, the first time you break up, it's very painful, and you're often not mature enough to cope with that. And so if everybody's had difficult breakup in adolescence, you could say they experienced a minor form of love addiction. But when you continue as an adult to choose the wrong partner and to get overly attached because you lack self-esteem and you lack a relationship with yourself and and a healthy relationship with with God and and the people around you, uh, you take that emptiness into a relationship and you get in over your head, you get overly attached. So I would say everybody's had... You know, unless they're terribly mature the first time they break up, they've experienced adolescent love. And love addiction is very much like adults continuing to love in an adolescent way, mm-hmm. using attraction to, to pick a partner, for instance, and and uh, being devastated when it's over. These are, are typical symptoms mm-hmm. of adolescent love and love addiction. Yeah. Now, you have several different types here. You have obsessed love addicts, codependent love addicts, relationship addicts, narcissistic love addicts, I mean, the torchbearers, saboteurs, seductive withholders. My question is, what's most common? What should we be most aware of in our culture today, Susan? Well, the media has taken one type of love addiction, uh, which you see in the movie Fatal Attraction, and I just noticed on TV last night they have a new series called The Stalker, Uh, And they portray one person chasing another person who isn't available. And uh, that is one kind of love addiction, but it's not not the most common form. Uh, Usually, uh, people fall in love, and one of the partners uh, wants to break up, and they can't let go. And so they uh, continue... uh, trying to connect to the email and through Facebook and sometimes it gets out of hand and there's drive-bys and 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 uh you know breaking into the houses these are the kind of things that uh you read about in a newspaper but usually I deal with clients who are just unable to let go uh and the torchbearer is a particular kind of love addict who never does let go you know uh normal healthy people even love addicts can turn it off and on and go forward when a relationship ends. But the torchbearer just kind of piles up love over the years and uh, and continues to love everybody they have loved. But even torchbearers can move from a place of painful love to nostalgia, 
you know, uh, they can look uh, like one client I had was still in love with his high school sweetheart, even though he was married and had children. And uh, I was able to help him not fall out of love because he was a torchbearer and he was always going to love her. But it didn't have to be painful. He didn't have to contact her. He didn't have to try to get involved and leave his family all for uh, what was fast becoming an addiction for him, you know. So each kind, I created the terms for a workshop I was doing in Oakland, and uh, you can find them all over the Internet now. They just describe a different method. Uh, the obsessive love addict is obsessing. The relationship addict is addicted to the relationship. There's no love involved. That's someone who's been married 25 years and is unhappy and lonely and her needs aren't being met, but she's afraid to be alone and so she hangs on to the relationship. There's no romantic connection. So uh, this is how you divide addictions into categories, whether or not there's limerence, which is passion, involved or whether or not you just don't want to be lonely and so you hang on. And then there's codependency, which is trying to buy love, trying to do things for people in order for them to to love you in return. When you combine codependency with obsession, then you've got your codependent love addict. It goes on and on, and I explain each one thoroughly in my book so you can find yourself because one never has to understand all the love addictions. You only have to understand the one that applies to you. Exactly. So you can do a profile, and then you can break down exactly what you have to do to change. Uh, This whole subject of whether or not we label people is... uh, is going on in the, the psychiatric community. Uh, many psychologists feel to give people a label is to shame them. And yet, foster programs have known for years that until you accept the problem, you can't move on to the solution. So at every 12-step meeting in the world, you say, I'm Susan, I'm an alcoholic, or I'm Susan, I'm a love addict. And I was happy to find out that I had a problem that uh, that had a, a cure or at least remission, you know, and, and so to run away from that, I'm not sure is good for people. But we're working this out, you know, between us, uh, the, uh, the, the self-help people and the uh, psychologists are trying to work together to come up with a model to treat addicts, but nobody really agrees. So the, I guess the question is, we have three minutes to break, and then we're going to come back after the break, but... I think this question that we have to answer in a few minutes is when people have whichever type of addiction they have, what's the first step after they recognize it? What are some of the things I need to do? I know going to groups helps, but it's a tough thing because it's, as you said, it's a very strong pull. What are some of the, what are some of the um, solutions? Yeah, well, there is a treatment program, and when we get back, I'll be glad to outline it for you. Just for now, the second step after uh, you embrace the fact that you have a problem, however you want to label that or describe that, you know, it's something that you have to work on. Uh, Many people come into therapy thinking the problem is the marriage or the problem is the husband, and you can't move forward until you accept the fact that you can only change yourself, therefore that's how you focus on the problem, by doing what you have to do to shed this relationship or move on or get into counseling or whatever you decide to do, you know. But the second step is, is reaching out for help. Uh, we have discovered that rarely 
uh, do people get better on their own when it comes to love addiction because it, it brings up so much stuff from our uh, dysfunctional childhood that we can't process that without an enlightened witness or, or somebody, whether that be a sponsor in a 12-step program or a professional therapist. We need someone to help us through this process. And groups, you know, have always been a help, but more and more people are turning to uh, individual therapy and treatment centers uh, where they're going to get cutting-edge treatment, you know. Mm-hmm. But for those who can't afford it, the 12-step model still works for love addiction, except for the four-step inventory. When I'm treating love addicts, I have them list all the wonderful things about themselves rather than their character defects because typically they have low self-esteem, and I am trying to help them build self-esteem and feel good about themselves so making a list of affirmations about our qualities is more conducive than an inventory of our character defects. You know, so that yeah. that one change in the twelve-step treatment model uh, I make for my love addict. All right, client. and we're going to talk about that right after the break. We'll talk more okay. about that. What people can do. Um, my guest is Susan Peabody, and she's really quite a pioneer. She is the co-founder of Love Addicts Anonymous. She's the author of Addiction to Love, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships, and the author of Art of Changing. Um, her book is Recovery Workbook for Love Addicts and Love Avoidance. And then she has a new book called Where Love Abides. Log on to brightertomorrow.net. And when we come back, we'll be back with Susan Peabody. You're listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, myth, reality, and 21st century archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. 
If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Well, hello, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin and Patricia Raskin Positive Living. My guest is Susan Peabody, co-founder of Love Addicts Anonymous and author of Addiction to Love, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships, and also her book, The Art of Changing. She was interviewed on the website of the Danish documentary, Love Addict, Stories of Dreams, Obsession, and Longing. Her newest book is Recovery Workbook for Love Addicts and Love Avoidance. She also has another book called Where Love Abides. Her website is brightertomorrow.net, brightertomorrow.net. Welcome back, Susan. Hi. So, Susan, take us through the treatment program of how people who are love addicts, and you listed many different kinds of love addicts, when they're overattached. And maybe we should talk about what's the definition, in your opinion, generally of a love addict, and what's the treatment program? Well, a love addict is someone who has an unhealthy dependency either in their mind or an actual person in their life, and it's unhealthy because that person is unavailable or uh, unloving or unkind or has an addiction, and if you can't let go, if you have decided that only this person can make you happy and you must pursue them rather than to let them go, then you're an addict. So there's a visible line you cross over when you go from being in love to being addicted, and you have to find that for yourself. And for those who are taking notes, this whole program recovery is outlined in the second half of my book, Addiction to Love. And it starts with, as we've already discussed, owning the problem. You know, I am uh, a love addict. I'm a relationship addict. Or if you are concerned about a label, you could say, I am depressed and then you reach out for help. So I am depressed, I need help, and you focus on yourself rather than uh, the problems in your life. Uh, you're, you have the power to change, but you can't change uh, your life till you change yourself. And uh, when you reach out for help, that could be with an individual therapist who can act as an enlightened witness. I recommend psychodynamics, which is when you explore the relationship between your childhood and love addiction because it's all rooted in not getting your needs met as a child. Even when you are the opposite of a love addict, which is a love avoidant, uh, that is rooted in childhood, you know, uh, uh, abuse as well. So after that, uh, you, you get some kind of structure in your life. You go to a period we call no contact where you don't email or reach out or even fantasize about somebody. And I have a message board where people can contact others who are going through withdrawal and they can uh, get some help from them. That's free. Uh, after that, you want to work on your self-esteem because people with high self-esteem don't tend to be addicts. So there's a direct correlation between shame and low self-esteem and addiction. Uh, I also believe in transactional analysis, which is where we get the term the inner child. We can often do, uh, the inner child is a metaphor, and we can often do for this, this child within us what we can't do for ourselves. And so if someone says we're lovable and we don't feel lovable, we try to act as if we love our inner child and build a relationship with this child. And, and in so doing that, in so 
as we do that, we're loving ourselves. So it's kind of going through the back door. It's a good method, although it's gone out of fashion now. It still works with many people when other things don't. And uh, then you just live the rest of your life. And you, uh, I do believe love addicts need to research healthy love. Uh, relationships have changed in the last 20 years. The division of labor has changed. You know, uh, what's expected of a relationship has changed. And so there's some really good books by Harville Hendricks and Judith Sills who talk about what is healthy. And then you have, and even in my book, I list things to look for in a healthy relationship. Uh, for one thing, you know, you want to look for someone compatible. And we've got many young people who are still choosing people because they're attractive rather than compatible. And so, you know, uh, once you get through your recovery, then you have to make changes in uh, in your selection process as well. And, and the longer you can have guidance to do this, the better. Yeah, so... so that's, kind of, that's kind of treatment in a nutshell. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of... What do you do, Susan, with resistance? Because I'm sure that's... I guess that you'd have that in any kind of addiction. Is that where the group comes in and talking it out to um, to somebody in the group or talking it out to a counselor? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, in the art of changing, I actually discuss where willingness comes from. A lot of willingness to change, which is at the heart of recovery, comes from a crisis, a nervous mm-hmm. breakdown. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you are willing to do what you have to do. In AA, they say you wake up one day and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so out of a crisis comes this, this epiphany and this willingness to change, and then you get into the treatment program and you make the changes, and then you live happily ever after, hopefully. you know. But other people, uh, they just, uh, it's more subtle. You know, they uh, they just kind of in their midlife and want something better, and and they kind of move into uh, slowly into the idea of changing. Uh, so with everyone, it's different. We do not know where the willingness to change comes from. I believe it's a spiritual awakening. It's uh, a kind of opening up to the part of us who wants to go back to developing ourselves and and self-actualization, you know, is is becoming the best person you can be. And this is our goal because from this we find our authentic self and we find happiness. And what love addicts, when they when they want to start being addicted to people, and start being more concerned about themselves and their lives and and their self-actualization, they start to feel better and it's good for their self-esteem. So uh, it. I wish there was a button we could push. You know, uh, I would say most people come in because of a crisis. You know, that's how they get to trusted programs. Alcoholics get a DUI, and so they decide this is it. It's time to change. Love addicts tend to uh, reach out for help during withdrawal. That's a breakup. I don't call it a breakup because people with healthy self-esteem break up. People who... Uh, who are love addicts and in the throes of, you know, uh, torment and feel that this breakup is life or death. These people, you know, are re-experiencing childhood trauma through age regression. And so I give them the, uh, a different label. They're in withdrawal from addiction. They're not just breaking up. And so I give them more attention and they need more help, more hand-holding. Susan, where have you seen the best results 
Um, does it depend again upon willingness and how deep the issue is? But you know, talk about some of the positive results you've seen from working with love addicts. Well, I have found, believe it or not, when people follow my program that it works. Uh, a lot of times people resist change, and so you talk to them and you advise them and you never see them again. And uh, But in the last five years, I've had several clients who continued working with me and following my advice. And when you actually do what I ask you to do, even though you don't want to or it's outside your comfort zone or you think you're not ready or you're frightened but you actually do it you get better and so I do recommend my treatment program but there's also treatment centers uh, where you uh, there's more psychology than spirituality there but a lot of people need that you know the 12 steps with the exception of the four step that I already mentioned you know that's always a good model uh, I believe, like Patrick Carnes, who writes about sex addiction, that the 12-step model is needed for some personality types. They need to be with other people to heal. Others don't. So you have to kind of find what works for you through trial and error. But the willingness coming and going, that's fear-based. And when the willingness goes away, the client goes away. And they sometimes they go back to where they were. Sometimes they make some progress and stay there for a while. Other times, you know, if if they really want it, they go all the way to uh, to finding themselves in a whole new life. Mm-hmm. And what about finding healthy relationships or meeting your soulmate after you've been through this kind of program? What what is well, this? I like to steer away from the idea of a soulmate because it implies that there's only one person out there. Mm -hmm. Now, if you believe in multiple soulmates, that's okay. That's a romantic notion. But if you believe there's only one person, and that's how love addicts think. They think, I've met my soulmate, and I can't move on. I can't cut my losses because this is the person that God put on the planet for me, and I have to have them, and I will do anything to get them. That's addiction. So, but if you believe, you know, that this person at the time is my soulmate for this time in my life, and then, you know, something goes wrong and we have to separate, you know, and you you do better the next time and they're also your soulmate, then that's okay. You want to be romantic, that's fine. But a healthy relationship is based on compatibility with romance thrown in instead of romance with a little compatibility thrown in. You know, it just you got to reverse it. You can prioritize what you're looking for. And um, you've really got to interview people when you date them to find out if they're compatible. I have a client now who did everything I asked him to do. I gave him a list of 20 things to look for, which are also in my book, and he found a person who exhibited all those traits except for the first one. And I said, you skipped number one. And he said, what do you mean? Well, she lived in another country. She was unavailable, and she didn't yeah. want to move. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that he makes knew a that from the very beginning, yeah. and yet yeah. he proceeded on because he loved her, and he yeah. fell in love too quickly, which love addicts do. So yeah. try to slow down, get to know them, make sure they're compatible, then let the, yeah. the romance blossom. All and, right, we're gonna um, have to. We're gonna have to. Call, I'll have to have you come back, Susan, because you have such great information, really. But if people want to know more, they can log on to brightertomorrow.net, and yeah. you also work with clients if they feel that they do have love addiction tendencies. They can check it out on your website. They can contact you. Great, right? It's been nice talking to you. Oh, it's been really great, Susan. I I really appreciate it and. Again, for all of all of those folks out there that get very attached or 
have all different kinds of love issues, go to Susan's website, look at brightertomorrow.net, and give her a call. Thanks, Susan. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, folks, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 